Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome to this episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times with today's guest, Kyle Schuberg. Am I saying that correctly? Schuberg. Schuberg. Yep, there we go. I like to ask because you don't know how many times we mispronounce people's name and they are so polite, they will not correct me. Yeah. Schuberg. It's okay. So with violent encounters on the rise for officers today, Kyle's program is designed to provide law enforcement officers with skills needed to survive in critical incidents relating to an officer-involved shooting, as well as being able to mentally and physically prepare yourself for such an encounter. Today, Kyle will help us engage in a discussion, a conversation on good leadership and proper tactics as learned through his relatable real-life experiences And for those of you who are listening today who don't know us, I want to kick off the show with a little bit about who Matthew and I are, because many of you know me after almost 17 years on World Talk Radio with Leadership Development News as the co-host of that show with Dr. Ellie Nadler. And we are hoping that you are going to be part of our new audience. So please listen in. And Matthew Werner, welcome is my co-host to our new show, Strategies for Turbulent Times. Thank you, Kathy. Um, Before we bring in our guests, we'd like to thank you, our audience, for tuning in as we look forward to sharing our own insights, experiences, and lessons learned along life's VOCA journey in each and every episode. The volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous environment that we find ourselves in these days, uh, we hope to give you tips and tricks and uh, help you get through Um, turbulent times. Well, Matt, for those of you who don't really know us, my audience who's listening, I want to thank Matthew for agreeing to be my co-host. For those of you who know me from years and years with Relly Nadler, I have said that Relly has been the longest male partner I've ever had, but that's because I wasn't married to him. Matthew has decided to step in here, and I hope he lasts that long because, you know, I'm a handful. But I want you to know that Matthew Warner has dedicated his career in service to the U.S. Navy, where he has helped choose, train, and lead the nation's preeminent top 2% of our U.S. Navy Special Operations Forces, as well as lead and personally perform some of the highest risk missions around the globe and that is throughout his amazing 25-year career, including a decade with the National Mission Force. You can look that up because I can't talk about it on public radio. You'll learn more about Matthew during each and every one of our episodes in these interviews when and if I let him talk. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kathy, for letting me talk here. Um, As a behavioral scientist, yes, Kathy has worked with Special Operations and Special Forces, uh, and she's worked across the whole spectrum of DOD, the Pentagon, and supported all the arms of the U.S. military, um, Homeland, FBI, and public safety to include various sheriff's associations and national law enforcement academies and associations. So she's, uh, she's got quite the experience to be uh, talking about strategies for turbulent times here. Listen, 
I, I don't want you to keep going on about me because I think these people can go Google me and they'll be sick of the 200 and some pages of lies they can find. But what I really want to focus on today is where we are. And as you know, my audience has been with me for so many years. And Matthew and I uh, recently co-founded uh, an LMS known as EB Guardians. And we call it ebguardians.com. And Part of the Emotional Brilliance Academy that we have built, which includes 8.5 hours of training for those of you who really want to learn more about how your brain operates under stress, want to give you as much as we can in these shows. We have created through ebguardians.com one of the most advanced AI-driven technologies for creating the force of the future as part of the National Command and Staff College and their latest research-based, leading-edge, science-based app for well-being called MagnusWorks. And you can find them at magnusworks.com, and we're very happy to have them as our sponsor. I want to jump right in here, Matthew, if you're ready. You want to talk a little bit about Kyle before we uh, bring him on? Absolutely. So just give uh, the audience, give you all a uh, little snapshot of who Kyle is. Um, Kyle is a, a police sergeant serving in Northern California. Uh, he's a very well seasoned and experienced officer, having 16 years of law enforcement experience and eight years as a canine handler. Uh, in 2014, he was assigned to the canine unit where he currently serves as the unit supervisor. Um, we can go more into this, but I think uh, I'll let you speak for yourself there, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on your guys' show. This is really cool. I appreciate the, uh, the time. So we like to start every show with a, a key question. And, and I know we're going to get into uh, your years as a, a canine handler, um, the number of, of SWAT and canine um, interactions uh, mm -hmm. that you have talked about. You've been a keynote speaker here at TAC Ops, where we are excited to be coming live from today. And want to give a shout out there to our TAC Ops friends here. Absolutely. I, I just want to make sure that um, we get to know a little bit about who you are. So, Matthew, I'm going to let you ask the golden question. Well, the golden question we like to start off with is who has the most influence in your life and career? It's a good, great question. Probably, I would say two, two people. My uncle, who was a police officer that... I grew up under, um, I, my father left my family when we, when I was a young child. So I didn't, you know, he wasn't in our life. So my uncle kind of filled that void as a, as a young kid, he was a police officer. I really looked up to him, you know, uh, seeing him in uniform, come to my mom's house. It was just, I just, I can vividly remember that just seeing him in uniform. I was pretty drawn to that. And then my mom ended up marrying my now stepdad when I was uh, probably nine years old. So then he assumed the role of being my father. So in, you know, I consider him my dad and he's just a hardworking guy. He took on three kids with my mom, uh, which is no easy task and really just assumed the role of, of being a father and, and, you know, instilling his, you know, uh, his leadership roles uh, in me yeah, he's my, actually migrated over here from New Zealand to the United States. So, you know, he had to start with nothing and he started his own business, which is now very successful. Um, so 
I, growing up, you know, I'd always see like his hard work. I mean, working seven days a week, uh, providing for the family, taking care of my mom, me, my sisters. So his work ethic was something that, that uh, really stuck with me. And, you know, and then my uncle, you know, kind of being like the focal point of what I wanted to do when I grew up, which was to be a police officer. So just, the, I think those two really have been kind of uh, probably the biggest two influential people for me. You know, there seems to be a pattern here, both in Matt's background as a special operator and your background in law enforcement and like people like to call it now public safety. You know, for those of you who are listening who aren't from the law enforcement industry, there has been a migration uh, away from the word law enforcement to mm-hmm. public safety. Yeah. And it does remove some of the stigma, but I think it's it's just heroic. My dad was in the Navy, and so that's I resonate with Matt and respect him and admire him so much. And yeah. I can joke around with him on air <laughs> about giving him airtime because yeah. – you know, he, he is such a, a wonderful person. And both of you, what strikes me about both of you, Kyle, is the service that both of you have dedicated your life to. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of your stories about breaking the stigma of speaking out uh, and dealing with the post-trauma um, involved in really what happens in uh, a critical incident. And in every show, we're going to talk about the unknown going into that experience. And, you know, Matthew can go on about what's happened to him and his career. And you have actually um, have had two medals of valor Mm -hmm. and you have a distinguished service medal and a life-saving ribbon. And you have been credited for saving the life of an officer who had been shot in the line of duty. You know, it is so vital for our public safety professionals, as well as our military professionals, to just feel good and feel comfortable about speaking out and recognizing the signs uh, of trauma. And so I want to get right into it. And I know you've been a... big advocate, but it's hard for people to listen to us talk about a subject without knowing where we come from. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in in some episodes, Matthew chimes in about his traumatic experiences. Most people don't know that I'm a recent survivor of a radical mastectomy due to breast cancer. You know, you go through things in life, right? And you don't necessarily think that it had an impact on you, but it does. Yeah. And so we want to talk about the emotional intelligence side of the unknown. Yeah. And if you could jump in here as much as you feel safe uh, talking to us and our audience about a time when you had a plan and you were mentally, emotionally, physically on task. And this whole thing just derailed right in front of you. How do you come out of that? How do you recover from that unknown and get back on track and not only survive, but thrive? That's where we're going to be. And if you're comfortable with that, yeah. jump in. So it is it's a hard question to answer because I, in our career, you, every day is, is the unknown. I mean, you go to calls and you think you're going into one thing and then it evolves into something completely different. So it, 
to pinpoint one thing would be really difficult for me to answer. You know, if, if I talk about like some couple of, you know, some of my shootings I've been involved in, I mean, sometimes, you know, some, some of those things are, yeah, they are planned events and then they, they go haywire when you're there and ultimately ends up in, in a lethal situation. So dealing with those, I mean, I think what prepares you for that is just constant training and preparing yourself both mentally and physically to be able to manage a, a high stressful situation like that. Because I mean, you're going from zero to a thousand at the snap of a finger. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, you know, I mean, you, you get it, but when you go from zero to a hundred and your, you know, your brain starts dumping all these chemicals and your body starts reacting, uh, how are you going to perform under stress is so vital. And, and that's why I tell these guys, like, you, you got to be prepared for that because if you're not, your body isn't going to be able to handle everything that's going on in your brain and, and these chemicals that are being released. And that's, that's where a lot of guys either get killed or, you know, get hurt. They, you know, fight, flight or freeze. And I've been involved in shootings where my partners um, didn't react the way that they thought they were going to react. Right. If you go downstairs and ask these guys, you know, I, in my class yesterday, I posed the, the question, if I, if I give you a scenario, which would be a no brainer lethal scenario. And I asked you, what would you guys do? You're all going to give the same answer. You're all going to say that you would, you know, I would shoot back if someone was shooting at me. Well, in reality, that's, that's not the case. So uh, I have had partners freeze on me. Um, and you know, that's, it's hard for those guys to deal with that after the fact, uh, because they didn't uh, do what they thought that they were going to do. So I, 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 it's a, it is a hard question to answer because I, I've been involved in just so many critical incidents where those things happen. And I just, I don't know, I would preface it with, you just got to mentally prepare yourself and it's, you, you only get so much training in law enforcement and the standard is so low and across the United States, California, where, where I'm from, we actually set the bar for standard and you know, the police Academy is six months long and then you go do training with a field training officer for maybe four to, to six months. And then that's, that's a That's it. And then from there you're on your own, right? So if you don't know the laws, if you don't know all these things that you need to know to be a police officer, which, if you step outside of that could, could land you in prison, which we're, we're starting to see now, a lot of cops are getting prosecuted. Uh, bad things can happen. And so, you know, I think we get probably, and, and this goes for most law enforcement agencies, you, you may only get like two days at the range or two, two times a year at the range to shoot maybe a total of 80 rounds just to qualify so that, you know, a department can check the box, right. To meet the standard. So, this conference out right right now. It's why I love teaching at these. I love coming to these because you're, you're getting that extra added training that we all need. And I applaud a lot of these guys for signing themselves up to even come to this training to get up early in the morning after spending all night drinking, get your ass in class um, and pay attention, take notes uh, and just make yourself better. So, okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, the best answer to that is just I've I've taken the pride to mentally and, and physically prepare myself for those types of situations. Kyle, we're not going to end this here, so hold that thought. Okay. We're so excited that you're with us today. And, and maybe think about this during the break. Just think of just one time in your life that you could maybe drill down with us on some of the emotional intelligence content, right? 
the emotions, the coping mechanisms, the way you came out of it. We're going to come back um, to let you finish that dialogue. And then I'm going to turn this over to Matthew, who has some questions for you that I don't want us to forget. So we're going to be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're here with our special guest, uh, Kyle Schober. Um, as uh, he was sharing with us um, of what he's uh, experienced as far as uh, when a plan was taken off track um, by the unknown. And as law enforcement officers and experts in the field, each and every day they're going out uh, policing with their communities. And uh, of course, every day is unknown. Uh, so thank you, Cal, for sharing um, um, some of your thoughts as far as what's helped you be successful, especially with 16 years and uh, with so many uh, distinguished uh, medals. Um, so as you're talking about it, Kyle, um, you spoke about the mental fitness as well as the physical fitness. You also spoke about how most law enforcement aren't 
given the ability to train every day like you feel they should. Um, I hear that quite often across the whole nation when we're speaking with other fellow officers and experts. Um, what, it, what do you think can actually, what can be changed to enable you know, today's officers that are in this group environment, this volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous environment, um, what do you think that we can do to change our training battle rhythms in law enforcement? Well, first, I think I think cops need way more training than we're getting. I mean, we're, we're just way under-trained. You know, we're, a lot of departments are understaffed. I was actually talking to a buddy pretty recently about this, and he had mentioned maybe... You know, I think if we took away a lot of these smaller departments and we just made one big department, right, that that would police the entire, you know, however big of, a, of an area that, you know, you would decide to uh, take over. But, you know, then you're getting everyone on the same page. The training is going to be consistent. And then, you know, when the whole defund police movement was, was coming out, I think people that were for that are obviously seeing the repercussions of that. When you're taking away money from agencies, you're, you're stripping away the ability for officers to go to training, to, to be able to attend a conference like this. So, you know, you want to fund, you got to fund police departments. You got to fund, these cities have to provide that money to be able to send cops and give them additional training. I, I think the standard needs to be raised way higher than what it is right now for the, for the amount of training we get. You know, you guys in the military doing what you did, you're really good at what you did because you did it every single day, multiple times a day. Okay. So if we're going out there and you're asking these, these cops, you know, some of them are young. You know, I started when I was 20 years old. That's young. To be given a gun and a badge and the ability to, to completely alter somebody's life, you know, potentially put them in prison forever, take somebody's life if you had to. And you're giving somebody that minimal amount of training. It's, it's kind of scary, to, to be honest, if you think about it, um, because not everybody can manage that. So why would we not want to provide that level of training like they do for the military for somebody that's going out there every single day, carrying a gun and making those decisions. Absolutely. So, yes, I appreciate that insight. And, you know, I think um, I'm not going to speak for all, but um, I think that what we hear a lot when people think about funding and we kind of talk about military training, law enforcement training, they think, okay, now we're going to make this a military, uh, you know, state. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to debunk that. Um, it's not all about bullets and, um, you know, PPE, personal protective mm-hmm. equipment and, and tactics. Um, I think it's like we were talking about. It's, it's a lot about the emotional intelligence of the law enforcement expert or yeah. officer that's out there. Because as you know, obviously our brains are constantly developing. When you're at a young age and you have that responsibility of making the right, of making the hard right call, um, the emotional intelligence of what's being trained to um, may or may not be there. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's not. <clears throat> it's not there. And, and I, you know, how many hours I, of mental training I got um, throughout my entire career in policing? Zero. Nobody's ever. Nobody ever trains you in the academy or or when you start to become a police officer. How your brain processes processes information. What does stress do to your body? Um, you know, how do you properly learn? How does your brain learn and process information when someone's teaching you something? There is not one ounce of training to that, which blows my mind because knowing what I know now and having to figure all of that out on my own 
after experiencing some of these situations and not quite understanding why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Why did certain people do certain things that they did? Um, it, it begs the question, why, why are we, why do we not have that, that training? I, I just, I don't understand it. It's getting better, you know, I think. And, and fortunately people like you, Kathy, that come to these events and, and you are talking about those things and you're training, you know, officers, but you're only getting to do that to a handful of, of guys for, for what, an hour, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, unless they're jumping on a podcast like this and listening to what you have to say um, and doing the, the, your own research is, you know, what you have to do. Um, they're not getting that training. So it's it blows my mind, to, to be honest. Well, let me help out here a little bit, because you just gave me a brainstorm because I wasn't even thinking about this before we hopped on the air together. But we're actually running uh, five free webinars, totally free. And if the audience goes to commandcollege.com, commandcollege.com, there will be a landing page at the National Command uh, and Staff College. And all those programs <laughs> that we're doing, you know, I'm not thinking about selling on this show. I'm thinking mm-hmm. I, I, my focus is on getting great talent in law enforcement, in the military and in industry like yourself, Kyle to come here and talk to us about how you're helping and literally giving back. None of us get paid for this. Yeah, this right. Right? Yeah. We, we, we are doing this because we love uh, our brothers and sisters in service to our nation, whether they're wearing the cloth of the military or the cloth of public safety. But if, if, like you said, train, 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 and train your brain, if y'all want to go in and look at those webinars, we got one in uh, June, July, August, and September. They're usually the third Thursday of every month at noon. Try to keep it consistent because yeah. <laughs> our brains can only hold so much. But, you know, as you said in one of your key points, when you do your speaking and when you do your training, Conditioning your brain to handle high stress incidents is key. And it's funny. We know that stress reduces our IQ points by almost 10 to 15%. So how do we protect ourselves and insulate ourselves from that? And I'd love how you approach this in terms of your training and the benefits of implementing the kind of programs that you're doing that not only helps people understand it's okay to feel trauma, it's okay to get past it, but how do you get people there? Yeah, you know, for me, I was at a point in my career where I had been at that time involved in three officer-involved shootings. Um, you know, I've been on other critical incidents where an officer was uh, shot and killed. Several officers were shot. And <clears throat> I was starting to feel a lot of uh, anxiety. And I could feel that, like, build up. And, you know, I'd go to work, I'd put my uniform on. And, and as soon as I would put my uniform on, I would start to feel that, that kind of anxiety. You know, my heart rate would, would get jacked up if just responding to it, to ordinary call for service. Um, and I was, I was feeling uh, a certain way about myself. Like my demeanor was changing at work. I was treating people poorly. Some of my friends that were, you know, command staff were starting to disassociate themselves from me because of, you know, my poor attitude. And not one person pulled me aside and, and asked me, like, 
you know, what, what's going on. And until the day that I was supposed to go to work, I was putting my pants on and my work pants. And I started to feel that way. And I just told myself, well, I'm not, I was just, I just was sick of feeling like that. Mm. So I called my boss and said I was quitting. And he's like, man, what are you talking about? You're quitting. And I was like, yep, I'm quitting. Come get, come pick up the dog. If you need to, the canine car, it's at my house. Like whatever you need to do, but I'm not coming to work. And uh, he actually met me. Uh, he wanted to meet me. We met in a McDonald's parking lot. Um, he filled out some paperwork. And, and something that stuck out to me that he said was, um, he's like, hey, I'm going to put you out on workman's comp. We're going to get you, you know, go to some therapy. And he's like, you know, he goes, uh, we were all wondering when this was going to happen. And I was just like, really? Like, so everybody in the background was talking about it. That's interesting. But nobody brought it to my attention. And the one time that I did try to bring it up to one of my bosses uh, who no longer works, works where I work, uh, you know, he tells me, uh, you know, hey, you have a poor attitude at work, you know, what's going on? And I told him, I said, hey, I'm kind of struggling a little bit with some things. And he literally, he, he looks at me and he goes, you know, just because you've been involved in some shootings doesn't make you better than anybody. That was wow. his response to me. Uh, yeah, I just took a breath. Yeah, the one guy that I tried to open myself up to uh, completely sh shut me out. And so obviously that, that compounded my decision to not want to talk about it. So once I, once, once I was off of work, uh, the department didn't have anything in place to deal with employees who were dealing with that type of post-trauma. And so then it was like left to me to figure it out. And so, you know, it was like, well, what do I do now? I'm off of work. They weren't doing anything for me. Um, so I actually discovered EMDR therapy. Um, I've had EMDR therapy. Okay. Wonderful stuff. Keep, keep it was. Going. So I was doing some research online and I came across EMDR therapy and was reading about it. And it looked a lot of military guys were involved in it. Um, post, post, post trauma therapy. And I thought, well, I'm going to give that a shot. And I ended up finding a contact in the local area. I lived of um, an EMDR therapist that specialized in EMDR for first responders, called her up, told her what I was experiencing. She says, come into my office. I guarantee you I'll fix you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm not one of those guys that, you know, it's, oh, like, it's like a chiropractor, right? It's like, yeah, I'm going to fix you. Yeah. I keep on going back. Yeah. You. Yep. So I met with her. She, I told her what was going on. Um, she said it pretty, pretty standard. And I did a total of like 16 sessions with her doing this EMDR therapy. And by the end of the, my therapy sessions with her, I mean, it really did damn near almost completely cure me um, of the symptoms that I was experiencing. So after that, I went back to where I told my work, Hey, I'm, I felt like I was good to go. I was off work for about five months doing this. And uh, when I came back to work, you know, I, they asked me, Hey, do you want to, do you want to, uh, you know, it was a department training day. They asked me if I wanted to get up and share my experience with, with my department. And at first I'm like, no way, I don't want to do that. I was, you know, I was already kind of embarrassed what I had already gone through. And that, you know, I kind of thought people may have thought less of me um, because I think people held me to a, you know, a certain standard. I held myself to a high standard when you're involved in stuff, the critical incidents at work, you know, guys look up to you, um, especially the younger cops. So I was afraid that I had kind of lost a little bit of that. I agreed to, stand up in front of my department on this training day, talk about my experience and holy, holy smokes. After I did that, I started getting 
text messages, phone calls, emails from people in my department that I didn't, didn't even associate with dispatchers, uh, you know, civilian staff members. And they were telling me, Oh my gosh. Um, I, I feel the same way, you know, but I've never told anybody. And so it was oh, honestly overwhelming how many people were actually reaching out to me. I, I almost became like everyone's personal therapist. Uh, so that, that was pretty alarming to me. So I ended up going to my chief at the time and I said, Hey, um, there's a lot of broken people here and you have no, we have no idea. And so that kind of kicked off, you know, at our department, at least, um, you know, how to deal with, you know, the mental health and dealing with these employees that are experiencing that stuff. And it's gotten a lot better. And, you know, this topic is being talked about a lot more across the nation and law enforcement, which is good. Um, but is it being talked about enough? You know, no. I mean, and the crazy thing to me is like you can mitigate, I think you could totally mitigate a lot of it is if you just have the proper training up front to know how to deal with it on the back end so that it doesn't just pile up. You know, it's like throwing trash in that trash can over there. Eventually it's going to overfill and then you throw another piece of trash in there and it's going to spill out. You know, so why are we doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, and uh, I'm just amazed and I appreciate you for opening up and just kind of, you know, giving us your story. Um, especially in so much detail. Um, and that's, you know, it's such a sensitive subject with what we're seeing, uh, whether it's law enforcement, military, um, there's way too many suicides going on. Um, and to understand how our brains work is the, is a critical function of our success and our survival. Um, to get that training early and often, absolutely, uh, especially with my experiences, um, we're going, we, we're, we're transitioning through from a shut up and row, right, yeah. uh, type of leadership mm-hmm. to understanding the importance of being a tighter community through understanding our emotional intelligence. Totally. So thank you very much. And we'll continue on with this conversation. Uh, we got to take a short break here. Um, thank you for being here with Strategies for Turbulent Times. And we'll get back uh, here shortly. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real time tailor made check ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. 
the Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We are having an engaging conversation with Kyle Schoberg. He is uh, talking to us today about a topic that many of us need to understand more deeply, and that is how understanding how an agency can reduce the stresses incurred by their officers, their department, and their community in the aftermath of a police-engaged uh, uh, shooting situation, an action shooting situation, a critical incident. And as you know, listeners, some of you are community participants, right? You may not even be in public safety. But you want to know what is the public safety doing as an industry to safeguard us, to safeguard our children at schools, to safeguard us in in public places. And what I need you to know for those of you who are just the recipients of the goodness of these service professionals is we are all working to provide organizations with how to prepare for these kinds of encounters. And by doing that, making better officers with better emotional intelligence and better capabilities to handle the stress, we're making our communities better. We are creating policing in a unity fashion. And I hope you're listening to to understand how we do that together. So as we come into this kind of last segment, Kyle, tell us a little bit about um, some advice that you give both new people coming into the police force and seasoned professionals who think they know it because they've been around so long and I see that smile on your face. And I'm asking this question. It sounds simple, but it's not. For those of you who are listening, we are wasting 150 to $300,000 a person bringing unqualified people into our agencies because we are in such, and I'll just use the word desperate times to find the right people to do this job because it is a different job than it was 10 years ago. And it is a different job than it was five years ago. And given what's going on in the VUCA environment where police officers and the community are interfacing finding the right people to do that job has become more critical. So tell us a little bit about what advice you give these folks. Yeah, I look, I try to give these a, a lot of these young cops my advice through my own experience. And that is, look, get your mind right. Mentally train yourself to be able to make a good decision when the time comes. 
and you won't have to deal with all the other crap on the back end. And then the, in the public and the community, just, they want that and they deserve that of their public servants. So train, you got to get trained up. You got to know, you, you got to go to these trainings. You got to do um, whatever you can to um, be able to, to make those critical decisions under stress. And the way, you know, the way, like I said, the way I go about it for, for me is just, I take whatever experience I have and I share it with other people, uh, the good and bad. Um, you know, we, uh, I, I started going around and, and doing trainings and <laughs> when I was a cop, you know, a young cop going to, to conferences and tr- different trainings and stuff, you know, n- no offense to, to any of the senior officers out there, but you know, you just go to a training and be like a 60 year old or, or, or 70 year old retired cop teaching a class, you know, something they did 30 years ago. Um, so I try to bring the youth, I think, to the, to the training. And I think I can connect with a lot of these younger guys. I think they appreciate it. Sharing my stories, um, you know, helps them what, relate a little bit better, but, uh, bringing in more of the modern training and, and, uh, like I said, things that I've experienced in my own career and life to the table. Uh, we created a, me and my business partner made a podcast together and that's why we did it was to provide a platform for first responders. Um, you want to give us the website for your, yeah. So shots fired podcast is the name of it. It's on YouTube or any audio platform. Um, want to make sure they heard that shots fired. Yeah. Shots fired podcast. Um, the whole basis behind that was let's, you can only, when you go to a training or if you teach a class, you only can teach in front of 20, 30, you know, maybe a hundred guys, but podcasting, what we're doing right now is reaching people across the world. So if we can bring that and provide that to everybody, civilian folks, uh, police officers, you name it, like try to be transparent with what we're doing. That way people get an understanding of what we do. And And I think it makes you human too. Totally. Otherwise you see what's going on in the news and it's all negative. Yeah. It totally humanizes the badge. You know, that's, that's part of our mission. And so we, we bring that to, to our podcast and, and uh, we bring a lot of education to it, right? We bring folks on that are experts in certain fields. So that way everybody can hear it. Um, so just try to get our message out as, as much as we can, but um, it just comes down to training. You got to train uh, and don't rely on standard to make you think you're going to be great at this job because you're not. It, it is. And it, you know, it, it is about the training and I just want to be specific here. So what, you know, what I've been doing for the past I just, I've been doing, I'm the OG of EI. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like the OG of EI. Because I've trained probably well over 20 law enforcement professionals um, as certified practitioners in the use of emotional intelligence. And I am so excited that over the decade that I've been doing this, that they do it now. And I'm just like the OG. They call me when they get something that they don't understand or a person who needs extra help. And I am so excited to have you here with us today. And and I know that Matthew is going to be on your podcast and I'm sure he'll share some more of that because Matthew's certified in the EQI as well. But let me just um, turn this over to Matthew for a, a couple of minutes. When, when we look at lessons learned uh, from today, and I'll let Matthew have the last word here. I just want to give our audience a, a quick summation. Condition the brain, mm-hmm. All right? You need to condition your brain. And when you condition your brain, it could be anything from meditation to mantras to reading that positive 
message, whether it's a book, whether it's music that you listen to, to and from going to work or while you're training or while you're working out. And what I also heard you say was have a friend, have a person in your life who's willing to be that person you share with and have the courage to let them pull you aside and say, hey, you're not yourself. And don't just give them, I'm okay, when they ask you how you are. Give, give that emotional input. Let them reflect with you. And if somebody says, hey, I think we can help you, take the help. Like, yeah. Don't just walk away and say, I'm throwing in, right? I'm just throwing in my badge and I'm walking away. I can't do this anymore. Because that is going to be an epidemic that we do not want no, because no. there are too many good people that we need to retain. Yeah. So thank, thank you. Yeah, it comes down to mentorship. I would say find a mentor, have a mentor, and then be a mentor to somebody else. I'm big on that. Absolutely. I'm just very impressed with this uh, with this episode as far as uh, strategies for turbulent times because the stuff that you pulled out, Kyle, um, I, I've, I resonate wholeheartedly. It's so tough, especially as a proven professional, to be vulnerable in front of your own peers and, yeah. you know, so, I hate to use the word subordinates, but, you know, junior yeah. personnel. And you also, when you're in law enforcement, or in the military, you're always giving to other people. So you don't think about yourself. Mm -hmm. And the analogy I, I like to share with people to try to get across to how, what I've learned from the brain. Um, and my first psychologist I, I met with was 20 years. And I was uh, at sea duty for 20 years, which is very unique. Um, but I looked at my psychologist and I looked at him and I said, look, the, uh, the way I understand what's going on in my brain it's basically taking left-hand turns at 189 miles per hour. Yeah. I said, it's like NASCAR, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand what NASCAR is, right? Yeah. And what keeps that car from hitting the wall at turn four? It's a good pit stop crew. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? My pit stop crew has been my family. But what's happened is that my family's in the car with me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now they just, they're in a car that went from Lightning McQueen to Mater in a heartbeat. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's just, I, I like to share that analogy because we don't get the training like you're saying, yeah. even at a tier one level, we got the best weapons. We got the best tactics. We have the best skydivers in the world that teach us, you know, canopy control. We get the best boats. We get the best, best vehicles. And we have the budget at that level to go train, 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 train. But we might get like an offsite saying, okay. Yeah, this is how your brain operates. Well, guess what? That goes on the desk and then it goes in the yeah. first drawer and it goes into the bottom yeah. drawer because we don't train, 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 train to yeah. what's going on in our brains. Totally. And then all of a sudden you run that risk of hitting the wall turn four. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing yeah. with us. Um, and uh, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite, favorite type of sauce? Um, black, just regular black tube socks are my, uh, my go-to. Cotton? Cotton. What about cashmere? No. <laughs> you ever had a I pair of cashmere socks? No, I haven't. Oh, wait until you get some, man. Sounds sounds uh, sounds high end for me. I've never been asked that before. Uh, I was the same way, but once I got my first pair of cashmere socks, I was sold. Well, I might have to get a pair now. <laughs> well, we'll we'll buy you a pair. Okay, I, cool. I think everybody in law enforcement should have should a have pair it? of cashmere All socks. Right, well, there you go. That's, yeah, that's the first important. pair I had. Uh, 
was given is a gift actually from Kathy. Uh, they're from where? Milan? And I, I, had no I, idea I was on a shopping trip cost. to Milan and had no idea what to buy. So I, I just bought the first pair of men's <laughs> They were so cool. They had dragons <laughs> and they were cashmere. And I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm a darn tough type of dude, you know, you know, darn tough yeah. socks. Yeah. Um, you know, having Merrells and all these, you know, understand footwear. But when she got me this cashmere, I was like, man. Just pretty nice, huh? Yeah, well, nice. there you go. You're you're yeah. a funny little. We'll have to get you your first uh, pair of cashmere. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> well, we are coming to the close uh, of today's segment, and I just want to thank you for all the powerful insight. Um, having gone through EMDR for my own uh, trauma, which we'll get into on another episode, <laughs> hopefully over drinks. Uh, I know it works, and I I would encourage people to look into it. Uh, and how can we reach you, Kyle? How can people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, you can reach me through uh, org is our website. You can find me on Instagram, Kyle underscore Schoberg. And then our Instagram account for our podcast is Shots Fire Podcast official on, on Instagram and social media. Well, we cannot thank you enough for helping us understand the benefits of implementing organizational strategies for educating and maintaining healthy employees in the aftermath of a critical incident and all the work that you're doing from the heart. And um, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I can tell you, he does not look like the average police officer that you see walking around. Um, he looks like he just got out of high school. I'll just leave it. At that. <laughs> but I'm the OG of EI. So God knows. I'm older you than know. you think. <laughs> but as we come to a close, any last words for our audience? No, I appreciate what you guys are doing. This this is making everybody better. Um, that's what we need. And so thank you for asking me to, to do this with you and your time. I, I really uh, appreciate and value that. Um, I like the, the passion behind it, and it, uh, it means a lot. Oh, thank you. We, we are for real. And as I said, we are doing a series of free webinars. I want to emphasize the word yeah. free. And go you can out. go to commandcollege.com, the National Command and Staff College website, and you'll see the listings there for June, July, August, and September, third Thursday of the month, 12 noon Eastern. Come join us. Learn something good for yourself and take it forward. We love you. Come back. We'll talk to you soon. This is Strategies for Turbulent Times, a plan for the unknown with Kat Greenberg, Matthew Warner. We do love you. So come back. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. <laughs>